Yeah, but I'm sitting here at the table with my co-host, the owner of Got Mead, Vicki Rowe, and of course, accomplished wine and mead maker, A.J. Ermans. You know, like many others, Ben and Becky Starr started out at home, produced some award-winning meads, and then decided to make a business out of it. Starlight Mead, tonight on Meet the Meaderies. Last week, we talked about Melomel's favorite fruits and Mel's from hell. Tonight, I'll join Vicky and AJ in a discussion about how to get it to the metal round. Plus, your questions on live, ask Oscar tonight. So go get your mead. Meet us back here. We'll see you in a minute. Uh, if I can find all the right buttons to push. <laughs> I go through this all the time. You know what? I really need to hire an engineer. <laughs> Sorry, the kid would uh, be a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> we, uh, we've got a pretty good show uh, tonight, guys. And uh, But first things first, we usually take care of uh, Got Meat Live business. Uh, what are we drinking? So uh, since I messed it all up last week, uh, I'll get it going this week. Uh, I'm drinking uh, Vicky and AJ this Chaucer's Mead. Uh, it's a um, you know Vicky and I were talking about it, uh, uh, before the show. It, I believe this is a traditional, right, Vicky? Uh, yeah, it's a if I remember right, it's a sweet traditional. I don't think they yeah. dialed the sweetness back on that, but yeah, it's it's really quite a nice little mead. They reformulated it four or five years ago, I believe. Yeah, it's got a nice flavor to it. It, it is sweet, a little, little on the sweet side for me, but it's a good, uh, what I call a short glass mead. I've got this little uh, two-ounce uh, uh, glass that I drink, uh, you know, with it, and uh, it, it's, very, it's pretty good that way. I, I kind of enjoy it. Um, AJ, uh, what are you drinking tonight, and why? Uh, tonight I got a shot of 12-year-old scotch, Chevalier Regal, because um, that's what my dad used to drink, and today would have been his 67th birthday. And then when I'm done that, I got a mystery beer or something I forgot to label. It's probably pumpkin spice. Mystery. Oh, God. <laughs> mystery beer. Yeah, it's probably that. a pumpkin spice fragment. I'm pretty sure that's what it is. I'll know as soon as I crack it open. <laughs> mystery beer. All right. We need to hear about the after effects of that, too, uh, later <laughs> on tonight. So. Uh, Vicky, what are we drinking in North Carolina? Ah, uh, we are drinking um, some Superstition Meadery Mead, and it's a, I think it's a sweet, well, I know it's a sweet, but it's a chocolate cherry uh, mead, I think, because it's got just a front label and no back label, and it doesn't say what, you know, what the type of mead is, so just kind of going on what it tastes like. Um, this was one, this was a competition entry that uh was leftovers were available so i snagged it at the last minute so. <laughs> oh sounds good chocolate yeah cherries. It's, it's, uh, it's really good yeah it tastes like chocolate covered cherries it's like oh my god oh there you go <laughs> yeah that's yeah well good uh welcome to got me live tonight it's tuesday night uh and we're always here right about nine o'clock so uh make sure you're tu- uh, tuning in uh, the gotmead.com uh, website uh, still under construction, but I hear they're working 24 Forever and ever. <laughs> <laughs> I hear the hammer and nails going in the background uh, along with. Oh, the I, thought I'd, I thought I'd take a page out of the uh, Pennsylvania Turnpike Book of Repairs. There, <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So, uh, 
as the beat goes on, uh, gotme.com, and, and I'll tell you, I mean, you can, you know, you've probably seen bits and pieces of it uh, as we roll through Got Me Live here, but uh, it's coming together. I, I actually have seen the whole thing, and uh, it's coming together ra- rather nicely. So uh, I think it's a nice, refreshing change to uh, the one that uh, we're all familiar with now. You know, you can become a supporting member and help pay for all of the different things that you enjoy about Got Mead. Uh, 25 bucks a year, and I'm telling you, you know, uh, and this is not a rumor. The price is going to go up. It just hasn't been determined yet how much or when. But, uh, you know, for 25 bucks a year, come on. Uh, I mean, what does that amount to, you know? Uh, you know, get access to a whole lot more on the gotme.com forum. And I am a patron member, and I have, I am just amazed at the level of information that is available uh, to all of us uh, mead makers, wine makers, and mead makers out there, um, you know, that's on the patron side. So get that 25 bucks and become a patron member. The Facebook, of course, just simply got mead. Uh, Twitter. Uh, Vicky is that at uh, at, at got me now and uh, I will have the uh, Twitter page up if you've got a question but can't call in feel free to toss it up there if we can't get to it we will get to it obviously we you know, let's do as many as we can and if you've got a question for ask Oscar uh, you can check the links on the form there I know they're there I've seen them I've actually clicked on them and they work uh, but let me tell you, when you're going to submit something to to Oscar, to the Ask Oscar segment, please, by all means, as much information as possible, everything, that, all the questions that are there, all the information that it lists, all of that needs to be turned in. Otherwise, your question just simply won't get answered. I mean, it's, it's impossible to predict what you did, how you did it, how much, when, and, and, and all that kind of good stuff. So uh, make sure you're very, very... Uh, complete when you uh, submit your questions to Ask Oscar. You want to write this number down, 818-921-4680-921-4680-818-921-4680. That's our live line for uh, Got Me Live. Uh, and the show links tonight, as always, you can get to it from the gotmead.com uh, website or tune in radio at tunein.com. You can search Got Me Live, and it'll pop right on up. Uh, working on a couple other venues that we can get out there and have a choice of live venues where you can get to it. We prefer that you get it from the GotMe.com website, but if you can't, uh, we're looking at other, uh, you know, other uh, other places that uh, that you can. So now you can also take us with you if you're on the road. Uh, now, mind you, you got to be within the cell sites, obviously, but you can download the TuneIn.com app for iOS and Android, and you can take the show with you live. You can also listen to the replays on SoundCloud and iTunes, and we will soon be on Stitcher Radio. So, um, and again, just, you know, all you have to do is search Got Me Live, and, and I'll pop right on up. Some show news next week, uh, Vicky. Uh, AJ and I are going to be uh, flying solo. Scary that. <laughs> Have we got a plan for you? <laughs> so, <laughs> you don't got any plans for me? I'll be working. No, no, for our, all of our listeners. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah that's okay. I spies, and I want to know what you guys are up to. 
<laughs> but uh, we it. it's not like we can hide what we do. Yeah, yeah really. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we maybe we can disguise our voices. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, after that, Vicky and AJ, we're going to be on hiatus for two weeks as we uh, uh, kind of recoup, recover, uh, take a look at our past shows, make adjustments where we need to make them, and talk about some new shows that we uh, uh, kind of have. Uh, down on paper, but really haven't haven't put any uh, anything together yet. So uh, we'll be off for a couple of weeks. Back on, I think it's October sixth, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think so. We are. I haven't got the folder up to check the schedule, but yeah, you guys are gonna do that one, and then the week after that, um, starts a two week off part, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm right. come back right after I get back from my big five-day camping trip. There you go. All right, so uh, when we come back, we're going to meet the meters. Stick around. We'll be back after this. Mead, located in the heart of North Carolina, specializes in wine-style meads of varying sweetness level, with a menu that usually includes 16 different flavors and featuring local North Carolina honey, there's always something new to try. Whether you like a drier mead that mimics a red or white wine, or something sweeter with fruit or herbs, Starlight Mead has got you covered. Come in for a tasting. Starlight Mead Artisan Winery and Tasting Room is located at 480 Hillsborough Street, Suite 1000, Pittsburgh, North Carolina, at Chatham Mills. This historic label mill complex is located just north of downtown Pittsburgh on 15501, two miles south of Highway 64 Bypass, or order a bottle from vinoshipper.com. Either way, Starlight Mead hopes to surprise and delight you. Hey, this is J.D. Webb from Got Mead Live. You know, it's all about the mead here at Got Mead, and I have to tell you, I am in love with Fling from Moonlight Meadery. The way they balance the tartness from the rhubarb against the semi-sweet strawberry and orange blossom honey is just amazing. Do yourself a favor. Go buy some Moonlight Meadery meads now. Visit them at their online store at moonlightmeadery.com forward slash store or ask for it where you shop. Demand it where you shop. Ask for Moonlight Meadery Mead. Homebrewtalk.com, your absolute everything resource for brewing beer at home. Their forum covers recipes, brewing equipment, and help from member brewers. If you picked up your equipment today, you can start brewing tonight with everything you need to know at homebrewtalk.com. Sign up today for as little as $4 a month and become a supporting member. Known for the most amazing and creative alcoholic beverages made from honey, Bean Nectar is a worldwide sensation. Bean Nectar gives their fans a variety of options from their famous zombie killer, a hard cider made with honey and cherries to kill all the golfers, a lightly carbonated draft mead made with black tea and lemon juice. Bean Nectar makes mead, ciders, and beers that extend beyond the traditional. They let their imaginations guide them. Learn more at beannectar.com. That's beannectar with a K.com. back live got me live tonight and uh you know we got a pretty good show here tonight we've got oscar uh uh live on the show tonight uh, gonna have a heck of a uh, ask oscar session 
So uh, make sure you copy that number down. We'll give it out again here just shortly. But if you got some questions for the Ask Oscar uh, uh, session here tonight, we've got him live. So uh, stay tuned for that. In the meantime, Vicky and AJ, um, Ben and Becky Starr, uh, they went to uh, the Renaissance Fair out here in California, and apparently they loved it. Uh, while they were there, it had, uh, I guess, from what I understand, their first tasting of mead. And uh, from there, uh, Starlight Meadery was born. Yeah. Well, they basically, I mean, they were, they were making mead for a while, but they brought their, I believe it was their sizer, to the 06 International Mead Association Mead Festival. And they took Best in Show. And awesome. yeah, and from there it pretty much went live. You know, I mean, they were they, they were on a track then that kind of put them into that place. So I'm tickled beyond words because they've been open for five years now, and um, you know, it's just it's a great thing that they've done, and that's so tickled that it's working out for yeah. them. And they're well, kicking ass and taking names. They really are. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> welcome to Ben and Becky Star. Thanks for joining the show with us tonight, guys. Thanks. Can we just end it there? I mean, that was great. <laughs> <laughs> no, sorry. You have to stick around. Ah, bummer. We, we have you now. Resistance <laughs> is futile. <laughs> Contractual obligation. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I'll tell you, you know, Becky, do you remember what kind of, you know, I had my first mead. Uh, I, I actually, I'm not sure if it was... Um, uh, the best thing that I had, but I had what amounted to be my first meet at the Renaissance Fair here in California just this last year. Um, do you remember what it was that you had? Uh, I'll be Chaucer's. honest with you. It was Chaucer's, yeah. It was Chaucer's, yeah. Okay. That's what they have. That was, uh, was that uh, Carolina? No, that was actually the Southern California Renaissance Fair. Oh, and, okay. And this was before we moved out here in 2000, so it was many moons ago. Ah, uh, okay. I, I uh, went to our RPFS a few times and always had a great time. And, yeah, Chaucer's got them pretty well locked down. <laughs> yep. I mean, considering they're just up the road, or at least they were at that time, just up the road from the winery, you know, I mean, it's kind of hard to get away from them. <laughs> wow. And when it's 900 degrees outside at the Renaissance Fair, you know, any cold yeah. meat is a good cold meat. Well, you could go stand under the bucket from the guy that stood in the tower and dump buckets of water on the heads of people as they walk by. That was great. <laughs> I, went, I went to that guy three, four times. It was so hot. <laughs> my God. Mead was curdling in my glass. It was so hot. Wow. <laughs> well, Ben and Becky, you went out to the Renaissance Fair and then we were still out in Glen Ellen. And then uh, you also yeah. went, you came out. Yeah, you came out after you moved back east to the one for Irwindale, right? Yep, uh, they they had actually moved to Irwindale just before we left, um, and then we've been out a couple of times when it's been in Irwindale. Yeah, and the one in Glen Hills too. Yeah. Okay, I never made Glen Hills, but I went to uh, the one that was in what they call the Devortex over by the uh, amphitheater. That's Glen Ellen. Yeah, that's Glen Ellen. Yeah. Okay, I wasn't yeah. sure if that was the same thing, but yeah, that's where yeah. that's where I went. It was a nice site. Yeah. Before that, it was in Agora Hills, but yeah, Becky, yeah, Agora Hills. Becky at the time. That was the <laughs> that was the very first one that I went to was in Agora Hills, and I remember you had to climb up and down the the fricking hills, and it, it was just it was 
it wasn't the best location for sure, but uh, that was my very first one years and years ago. Yeah, it was a fabulous location. Uh, I, I was started going in high school, so it was quite a while ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, how long did it take uh, you, you know, you, you started making meat at home. How long did it take you before you decided to make a business out of it? So we we were making uh, making meat for about two years before uh, we um, we won that competition, and uh, literally on the plane ride home, we were talking about it. It, it was kind of ironic because on the flight over, um, Becky and I at the time were both in corporate America, and and both of us were we were coming up with ideas of what we could do to get out of corporate America. We were talking about florist shops. We were talking about all kinds of things, um, but nothing really piqued our interest. And then on the flight back, it's like, wow, could we do this? So that's when we started our business plan, and four years later, we opened. Awesome. Yeah, I remember you guys telling me about that later after you took that Best in Show, which, if I remember correctly, that award is sitting in your uh, awards chamber there as you enter the meadery is it still there <laughs> yes it's the gold medal and the the gorgeous carved wooden cup that we I know won that at. that was so our, cool our, our on the wall <laughs> yep yeah we, no, were, we really outdid ourselves with that one <laughs> that was a good one i remember when you guys came out here to one of those that uh, there was a, a meeting of you and becky and and ben and me, excuse me, Becky Ben and myself, mm-hmm. at the Holiday Inn Express in scenic Fullerton, California. <laughs> oh, yeah. I had forgotten about yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, they called me up and said, we're going to be over here. And I was like, I always saw the sign, but I never knew physically where the thing was located. I'm driving all around. I've been living in this place for, you know, like, God only knows how long. And finally <laughs> found that it show up and... I had a couple of balls of meat with me. We sat in there and we just, you know, chit-chatted and drank meat and had a good time. <laughs> them, them was some, them was some good ones when we actually could breathe while we were there. You know. <laughs> <laughs> now, now it's just five straight days of what time is it? I don't know, and it doesn't matter. Get let's get this next thing done. <laughs> so. Um, I noticed that, I, and I've heard through the rumor mill too, because I'm, you know, on your table list or on your Facebook list and everything, you guys are going to build a meat hall. What's up with that? Talk to us. Well, we're outgrowing our current location after five years. Um, Ben has estimated that we're going to reach capacity for production um, in early 2017. And so we just just start thinking about what we were going to do before we got there. I know, novel concept, planning ahead. Yeah, meteries don't do that, you know. <laughs> I know it's it's it, we're trying it, we're trying it out, and um, so we started working with an architect last year because before we could actually plan to ask a bank for money, we needed to know how much it was going to cost. Right. So so we got our architect on it. Um, we've decided on two buildings because right now we're all in one building with one air conditioning unit, and Ben keeps Ooh. the place. 69 degrees because that's the way the mead likes it right and i'm tired of freezing out my customers so uh (laughs) decided to do two separate buildings one for the production and one for the mead hall 
And nice. uh, I, I've got pictures in my brain of uh, vaulted ceilings with big wooden beams and a large stone fireplace and a wraparound porch where you can sit outside and it's going to be gorgeous. Except for the wraparound porch, you know who's done something kind of in that direction that you need to ask them to show your pictures, or you can go on their website, they probably got some, is uh, St. Ambrose in Michigan. Oh, cool. I haven't looked at there. A, yeah, his, he's got everything in, well, multiple buildings now. He's originally in one building, and then he's added on another building for more production, but um, they're separated, climate controlled separately, so you don't freeze when you walk in there. But vaulted ceilings, big beams, a ginormous wood bar that's just stunning. And um, it's just way cool. There's even cathedral. There's even um, cathedral windows, the big round ones. Ooh, yeah. So I mean, the place is just amazing. I mean, it was. I just was loving it. So you should get a hold of uh, Kirk Jones and say, Kirk, tell us what you did. You know. Yeah, definitely. We'll do that. That's that's pretty cool. So was the plan to have that open sometime in 2017 then? We're actually shooting for the end of 2016. Um, oh, okay. Knowing that if there are delays like there always are, then it'll be uh, we'll still be able to make make it. Um, you know, early 2017. Um, but yeah, we we've had the the uh, slow growth type of uh, mentality and trying to to do a sustainable growth. Um, you know that. <laughs> Literally, this is our retirement, so uh, we we had to, to make sure that whatever we were doing was sustainable and not just a flash-in-the-pan type of thing. So we've, we've been growing uh, consistently, but, but growing at a, at a nice pace year-on-year. Uh, year. Nice. Yeah, if you go too fast, it's easy to lose your balance. <laughs> yeah, that I've seen that happen to a few meteries where they just were so popular that they couldn't keep up. The, the the second year that we were open, we uh, we the second or the third year, third third year third year that we were open, we um, had beat the previous year by thirty some percent, and we just had no idea how we were going to be able to to continue at that rate. And fortunately, the growth. I mean, we we maintained that, but the growth um, slowed down a little bit, and uh, and so we've been able to keep up. Um, but you know, running out of mead while everybody says it's a good problem to have, it's still a problem. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it really is. Um, if you don't mind us asking where are you guys at, um, production level wise? So last year we did, uh, we did a thousand cases. So 1200 bottles, um, seven to seven fifties. Um, nice. and and uh, this year we expect to be right around 1,200. Um, and then in uh, 20, 2017, uh, when we're cranking as, as much as I can through the tanks, uh, I expect to be at about, uh, at about 1,600 cases. Nice. That's way cool. What are you guys, on the average, looking at... Um from uh, pitch to shelf these days. I'm always interested. It's, it varies so much with different meteries, you know? Yeah, it, it's about three months, um, and uh, I've, I've shaved a little bit off here and there, but, but it ends up um, being about three months for just about all of our flavors. 
there are a couple of them that, that uh, take just a little bit longer. The ones that I um, egg, age, not egg, age on. <laughs> go me, go, go me, go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's better than the floating egg on top of it that I was thinking of. So. Yeah, uh, you, you were going to say egg on the meads, and, I'm, and I've got this picture of like, you know, people that are standing there going, come on, mead, you can do it. Oh, you've just never been in there when I'm petting the sides of the fermenters, encouraging it to ferment. <laughs> do, you, do you play? Do you play its favorite music so it'll ferment quicker? <laughs> and we turn down the lights. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I talk to mine too. <laughs> <laughs> but does yours talk back? Uh, well, not yet. If it, if it doesn't, you haven't had enough to drink. Yeah. <laughs> well, once in a while, it gurgles. You know. <laughs> Spe speaking of which, Becky is drinking uh, a Red Branch, um, so Mike Fowles. Uh, oh, I love Red Branch. The Sizers? Yeah, one of his Sizers. The Raspberry. Yum, yeah. yum, yum. Oh, that was good. And I've got one of his, uh, um, uh, one of the Honey Red, the, the, uh, one of his Braggots. So we're, we're, uh, we're trying to keep up with you guys. <laughs> I didn't hear what Oscar was drinking though. Yeah. What's that? Oscar, Oscar, I didn't hear what you were drinking. Oh, I've got a one of my favorite uh, Mutiny on the Bounty sizers going here. Okay. <laughs> I was going to be really disappointed if you said water. Yeah. Yeah. See, yeah. The water is the well, you can't drink the water in California. That's why they drink yeah. so much water. Uh, That's true. Ben, would you say I know you you're drinking one of Mike's braggots, but which one again? I didn't type fast enough. It's honey honey red. Honey red, okay. Does he market one, that yeah. does he market that under Rabbit's foot or is that a separate company? Uh it is <laughs> We'll have the person with the glasses tell you. <laughs> you aren't <laughs> long enough. <laughs> Enjoy responsibly. Uh, here it is. Uh, Red Branch Brewing Company. Okay, so Red Branch Brewing. Okay, cool. I'll get that up on the page then. Awesome. We, we visited in uh, May when we were out there for the Craft Beverage Expo, which was right down the street from his place. Um, literally, Whoa. we walked. We walked from the hotel to the tasting room. We tried all the stuff and then walked back to our hotel with six bottles of booze. <laughs> uh, and you mean staggered back because, you know, exactly. a lot of stuff. Yeah. I, I, I was going to correct her as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm going out there. Um, uh, Mondavi is having uh, having a thing, in, the branding thing in November. So I'm going to be out there for that. And originally, I was just going to go overnight. Now I'm just going to stick around for the weekend, visit relatives in San Francisco, and go to Rabbit's Foot. I'll see you there then. Uh, I'm actually flying in a day early to visit my sister, who also lives in the area. Oh, <laughs> funny. Oh, cool. Well, then we'll definitely have to hook up. Yeah, it's going to be our home week. Cause it be will be. Yeah. Then I'm presenting at the uh, Mead course, too. Nice. Yeah, we got uh, I'll put together a promo for that to start running on the show so that people know about it that's way cool so uh, you know you guys are going to grow bigger and you're going to open a new location and all of that so are you going to try to stick with a certain number of means or are you just going to keep adding to it what's the game plan oh, it depends oh on no 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 
We really don't need to keep adding. We can, you know, we can just replace something. And, yeah. and the minute that I do that, you know, somebody comes in and says, but that's my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> I and, and that I keep, on a regular basis. <laughs> I keep telling him that, you know, our tasting notes are now a half page, both sides. I had to make the font smaller and I can't fit any more on. <laughs> I tell her that that's why they make full size sheets. <laughs> that's right. That's so there funny. You go. So I, I I do have um, ideas. Uh, so we're we're hovering right around sixteen or seventeen different flavors. Um, you know, pretty much all the time. We've got some seasonals that come in and out. Like um, in the summer, we had Meterita and Meatitos. Um, and in the the fall, we generally will bring out a herbed mead called um, that uh, has sage in it, um, which is really nice. Um, kind of a, a sweet and savory type of, uh, um, of mead. Um, so we, we've got some that cycle through, and then we've got um, you know our, our standards that are always there, the traditionals and and um, some of the fruited ones, uh, and and of course spiced apple, which started it all. Right, so, you got to keep that. That's your yeah. flagship. Well, so it's funny we've we've run out of it six times now, and the um, the first time that we ran out of it, if we've got a minute for a story, oh, yeah. um, we uh, we opened with three meads, and uh, we made as much as we thought we would need based on our five year plan that we literally pulled out of. Um, specific orifices, <laughs> um, and and we so we were we were really guessing as to how how much we would go through, but we had a off dry traditional, a semi sweet traditional, and our spiced apple, and we opened uh, in September uh, Labor Day weekend, and we were um, we had enough we thought to get us through the holidays and get us to when the next batch would be open. Or be ready to ready to go, and in October we ran out of spiced apple. Uh, we sold through it all. I seem and, to remember uh, some wailing and gnashing of teeth that went on oh, on Facebook around that. So, so angry. They came back in November, and I was going to have this with my Thanksgiving dinner, and now we're out of it. Yeah, it was ugly. It was very ugly. Oh, so I, I did a, the best I could. I tried to get it um, going as fast as I could. Uh, finally got it out. We bottled um, we bottled 500. 600. We bottled 600 bottles on Friday night and it was two weeks before Christmas. Three weeks before, three weeks before Christmas. Three, yeah. three we announced that we had spiced apple for the weekend. The next day, they sold a hundred bottles in one day. In one day, <laughs> and I said, "Okay, I'm done. <laughs> I, can't, I can't keep up with this." Wow. So since, since then, I've tried to keep it in stock all the time, but. Um, well, and I threaten him within an inch of his life as we're coming up to holidays that we will not run out during the holiday ever again. 
yeah. Not a good thing to have happen there. No. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like the, everybody should have these problems, but when they happen, then it's like, why me? Yeah. We're talking to uh, Ben and Becky Starr from Starlight Meadery in North Carolina. And if you are in the uh, uh, area, Pittsburgh area, stop in and pay them a visit. Uh, ben and Becky, you're at 480 Hillsboro Street. Yeah, Suite 1000 in Pittsburgh, North Carolina at the Chatham Mills. And that, isn't that a, that's a historic uh, kind of a place, isn't it? Wasn't there some history behind that? Yeah, it's actually an old label mill. Um, they built it in the 40s, and it was in operation making the labels for clothing up into the mid-90s, which really surprised me to hear that. Um, and it finally shut down 96 or so. And they've now been uh, revamping it and converting it over. And now there's a restaurant and a co-op marketplace and a dance studio and us and a jewelry store. It's real eclectic. And dialysis. (laughs) (laughs) Dialysis nearby. They can hit the meter and then go for dialysis. (laughs) One stop shopping. (laughs) Or go for for dialysis while you're drinking your mead. I don't know. (laughs) Becky, what uh, you know? I'm, I'm looking at some of these recipes. I just, man, I just, I want to fly out there and try some of these. Uh, better yet, I'll go to uh, the. Just call uh, me. I'll you know, go shop. Yeah. Money, I'll ship it to you. How do you? Um, I mean, you've got this pear off dry. I'm very interested in, in tasting some of that. Uh, the sweet, uh, sweet peach. Oh my God. Uh, my first time in North Carolina some years back, I had my first sweet tea. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's different. <laughs> pom- pom- pomegranate pink peppercorn. How, how do you come up with these recipes? Um, it, I have to, to blame Ben a lot for that because he puts together these weird combinations that everybody goes, what? And then it tastes amazing. Um, actually, the story for the pomegranate pink peppercorn is really interesting because uh, two years ago, we were out at the Mazer Cup, and I had picked up a couple of bottles of um, Colleen Boss from Boss Meadery. I should know this. Um, I had, Boss I had got, Yeah, I had gotten for volunteering her pomegranate and a bottle of Pink peppercorn, no peppercorn, peppercorn mead. And we had brought them back and we were tasting them and suddenly Ben went, what happens if you put these together? And so her meads were actually the inspiration for that flavor. I like that. I like that. That's cool. Just to fill you in on on some of the backstory of that, because it it took on uh, kind of a little story of its own. Uh, One of our employees, uh, um, uh, develop breast cancer and, and uh, she's doing fine uh, doing real well but her medical bills really stacked up and so one of the things that we, we had talked about was you know wouldn't it be nice if we could make a mead that was made with her and uh, and help you know donate some of some funds from that to her to, to help cover her costs and, and that type of thing and so um, we talked we talked about the the uh, pomegranate with the peppercorn uh, before that and she said well you know what about using pink peppercorn because they're a little bit fruitier and and so we started playing with that we did some test batches and 
and it was just amazing. It really did add a nice fruitiness to to it with a, a little bit of that sharp um, peppercorn um, prickle on the tongue at the at the very end of it. And um, and so I started the batch on the day of her surgery, and uh, and yeah, it means a lot to us. And and uh, what and a brilliant idea! Wow, it was great. That's really awesome that you're able to do that for your employees. Yeah, it really Absolutely. is. Are you, uh, Ben and Becky, uh, you want to take some calls from uh, some of our listeners, see if we can't prompt a couple of them to call in? Sure. <laughs> I especially want to hear from people that want to start their own, because that's really cool. 818-921-4680. Uh, let them ring. We'll take your calls. Ben and Becky Starr from Starlight Meadery here out of North Carolina. So uh, make them ring, guys. And while we're waiting. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, if I can mention, we're, we actually um, work with our local uh, community college, and we have a class coming up on October 17th at Central Carolina Community College on how to start your own winery, brewery, or meadery. Um, nice. We've taught this class several times now. It's great. The last one that we did, we had the most mead makers we'd ever had in class, which was phenomenal. Um, usually cool. it's, it's a lot of beer brewers. And uh, this time we had one beer brewer and all the rest were mead makers. Nice. Uh, most, most of the time it's a bunch of people that woke up saying, you know, it would be really nice if I, if I started a brewery tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. We've got uh, we've got a caller on the line uh, seventy five seventy three. Tell us your name and where you're from, and uh, welcome to the show. Yeah, this is Dan McFeely calling. I'm from King. Hi, Dan. Hi, Vicky. Hey, Dan. Hey, Dan. What's up, Dan? Hello. Uh, long time that we've talked, almost face to face, but instead of yeah, right. So yeah, yeah. Dan, Dan, Dan McFeely, man. Is that Pete? Yeah, it That's is. Pete. Cool. All right. <laughs> the gang's all here. <laughs> <laughs> Got the whole crowd in. Yeah, can yeah. we get Joe Mandioli on the on the call too? <laughs> we had him a couple of weeks ago. Where were you guys? You know. <laughs> no, go ahead with your question. Um, I actually didn't have a question. I wanted to call him. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> it's even better. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I would love to start a meter my own, my own someday. But that's kind of like lottery dreams. But uh, really interesting listening to, um, you know, listening to uh, startups and uh, the ins and outs and uh, the things you got to overcome. So that was like four years for a business plan to uh, become a a reality for them. Yeah. Yeah. are you there? <laughs> we we had found this uh, this location that we had really liked. So um, I literally three months after um, uh, winning the Best in Show award, I got laid off from my corporate job, and oh, wow. so we we kind of took it as a sign from the universe that somebody needed to be working on this full time because nights and weekends weren't cutting it. So um, I I actually took oh somebody's pouring something. Uh, uh, sorry, guilty. <laughs> I took, took some classes and um, filed our LLC paperwork in um, June of 2006, 
And then we found a location that we liked, and it, it was another mill that was being um, redeveloped. And the general contractor said, you know what, it'll be about six months before we have your spot ready. And we're like, oh, that's great. We've got tons of work to do. There's, you know, no problem that works perfectly for us. And so while we were waiting, um, an opportunity kind of dropped in my lap to go work at a local winery. And I thought, cool, I haven't had any experience working at a winery, and let me see what I can learn from them before we start our own. And so I told them it was only going to be six months. You know, I'm, I'm just here for six months. I'll do whatever you want. I want to learn as much as I can. And uh, they're like, cool. Yeah, six months after that, the general contractor said, well, it's going to be six more months. <laughs> and then he said, well, it's going to be six more months. Yeah, I worked at that winery for two years, um, at which point we told the general contractor we were tired of waiting and going to look for someone else. I quit my job. We found another place, and then it was about a year of construction before we opened. <laughs> so that kind of fills in that four-year gap there. <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh what kind of headaches did you get with uh, getting all the paperwork through, getting the approvals, getting all the licensing, and all the uh, recipes passed, uh, the government approval? <laughs> well, so it, there, there were a couple of, of really good stories along there. Um, uh, one of the local wineries who also makes a mead um, brought me in uh, and, and opened up his, um, his uh files and let me look at his formulas, the formulas that had, uh, that he had gotten approval from, and he showed me how he was doing it. Um, so basically the first, first time I submitted a formula, it was, it was approved without any issue. Um, so the formulas have been rel uh, relatively easy because um, I, I think I know what I'm doing now <laughs> to, to, try, to try and get those passed. Um, the, the labels, on the other hand, have been um, quirky, to say the least. We've, we had to change our name. Uh, we, we were always Starlight Mead, and now on the label it says Starlight Meadery because uh, about five labels into it, suddenly they decided we couldn't say Mead on the label uh, if there was Blackberry in it as well um, without having the qualifier in front of it. So... It's called Blackberry Mead, but we can't say Starlight Mead in fancy font on the side of the label. <laughs> anyway. Hey, um, uh, and thanks, thanks for the call. Uh, we've got another call waiting as well. But uh, uh, go ahead, Ben. Didn't mean to interrupt. No, that, that's fine. Um, I'm trying to think of if there was any other. Uh, you know what? Yeah. We, uh, tell her. <laughs> Caller uh, 4612, uh, you're on the uh, line with Ben and Becky Starr out of North Carolina. Uh, who you, who are you, where are you from, and uh, what's your question? So this is Dave Webb, 58 Limited, from the forum. Hey, Dave. Hey, Dave. How you doing, hey, Dave? how you doing? Well, uh, actually, I had the one question, and while I was waiting, something else came up, so hopefully we'll have time for it. But my first question... And I had stepped away from the computer with the volume turned up, but do I understand you're building another location moving to it? Yes, that's right. Okay. Are there any regulation, regulatory issues with moving locations, even though you're already an established metery? Yeah, basically you have to go through all of the same uh, paperwork and regulatory things that you had to 
with the first one. Um, the only difference is that we now know what we're doing. Um, so it's, it's all the same paperwork, exact same paperwork. As a matter of fact, um, the, the big difference is that in the top right-hand column or uh, top of the right-hand corner of the page, we get to put an, a dash two because this is the second time that we have uh, uh, turned in this paperwork. Okay. And uh, my second question, you had mentioned you're teaching a class at the local junior college. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't happen to have that as an online course, do they? <laughs> they don't. We, we've actually talked about trying to do something like that, and it's um, we just we haven't gotten to it yet. Um, and I know the state regulations are different across the board, but the federal would be the same, of course. Yep. And that, that's one of the things uh, when we open the class, we, we say, you know, we're, we're not experts in, uh, in even every business or every state or every city, uh, but we are experts in business and we can tell you how we made some of our decisions. So um, it's, it's something that we like to share and we'll, we'll try and figure out a way to, um, to, to do it because we have gotten that question several times. Right. Well, thank you very much. Absolutely. Thanks for the call, Dave. Oh, no problem. Good night. Good night, Dave. Uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, you mentioned uh, you mentioned Becky that you were working at at the winery uh, while trying to get the construction uh, started on your meadery and everything. What were you both doing before uh, the thought of even opening a mead uh, a meadery uh, came about? So my background is um, I was working as a national corporate training manager. So I managed a national team of remote trainers. Uh, prior to that, I had been a trainer myself. So a lot of that really works into what I'm doing now because I see doing a tasting or conducting a, that, a tour as the, the same as teaching someone about mead. I spend a lot of my time explaining what mead is and, um, you know, how to taste it and what temperature to serve at and, you know, all this other stuff that, that people want to know when they come into the tasting room. And so it's, it's really just another form of teaching. Um, my also... My background previous to that was in retail management, which, of course, also comes in handy in the tasting room. My, my background, uh, I, I work for Kodak. I still work for Kodak, by the way. Yes, we are still around. Um, <laughs> and if, if you go into a Target or a CVS and you see the little kiosks that are on the counter... There's about 55,000 of those worldwide that are all on a network, and I control the network. So it's a little bit different than what I do at the meadery every night hmm. and weekend. What is it with IT guys and mead? <laughs> hey, watch it. Yeah, we're, we're everywhere. And, yeah, watch Skyrim. the guys thing there. Because, uh, yeah, I've noticed that uh, if I had to do a poll on the Got Mead forums, I'd wager that at least 60% of the people on there are in some kind of IT business. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's weird. The same, the same uh, if you were to pull at uh, Renaissance festivals, though? <laughs> yeah, pretty much, yeah. Pretty much, yeah. Or brewers. I just like to make this all of, 
it's it's a collection of intelligent people that like to make me. <laughs> That's like what it that. is. Like yeah. That. We're in good like company. Uh, Vicky, yeah, we've got some people, uh, part of our usual crew on Skype, uh, ah. asking some questions. Doug, who uh, happens to be, he's from here, but he's actually... Sitting up all night again. No, 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 no. <laughs> he, he's actually in Chicago. He's vacationing in That's Chicago. That's right. Oh, yeah. son, so he doesn't yeah. have to get up at two in the morning to listen to us blather. <laughs> yeah. So uh, he's asking. Uh, he 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 initially asked, uh, "Do they distribute to other states?" I answered him back, "Yes, through Vino Shopper." But uh, Ben and Becky, talk about Vino Shopper. How does that? Vino work? Shipper. Vino, Vino Shipper. Shipper. I'm sorry. Yeah. Vino Shipper. There you go. Uh Vino Shipper is actually really cool for small um, small wineries and meaderies because that what most people don't know is that to ship to another state, you have to have a permit for that state, which means to ship to 50 states, I have to hold 50 permits, which really stinks as far as amounts of paperwork go. Um, for a larger winery, um, you know, they, they have somebody full-time that does that type of stuff. Uh, yeah, not, not us. So, um, what you have to do is you have to apply for a permit for every state and then you have to file paperwork on either a monthly, quarterly, or annual basis and pay excise and sales tax on a monthly, quarterly, or annual basis. So one of the things that Vino Shipper does is they actually hold 18 permits of their own and they act as the distributor in those states. Um, I only hold three permits to three states. That's North Carolina, California, and Colorado. And so I can direct ship to those three states, or through Vino Shipper, I can ship to 18 more. So it was actually a really nice way for us to go from three states to um, 21 states literally overnight. Nice. And a lot less paperwork. And a lot less paperwork because they file the paperwork on those 18 states. I don't have to do it. <laughs> this is really nice for the people who are always asking, well, how come you don't ship to my state, province, country, whatever? It, there's an awful lot of paperwork involved that people don't realize, eh? Oh, yeah. One of the things that Becky didn't mention is that each of the states gets to make their own rules. So uh, a place like California, it's pretty simple. It's a, a, um, a $10 fee, annual fee, annual, mm -hmm. yeah, annual fee that we have to pay. Um, our neighbors to the south of us in South Carolina just upped their annual fee to what, 500 and some dollars? Yeah. Oh, oh wow. Oh, yeah. And, and so, and, and the, the, uh, the paperwork as far as the monthly reports that you have to send, whether you sell something to that state or not, um, is just, it just, too, yeah, too time consuming. <laughs> so oh, we, yeah. We, People in South Carolina to drive up. <laughs> yeah. See, that's that's those Southerners for you, man. <laughs> Don't make me come over there. Please. There we go. Yeah, yeah I'm telling you. And if you're Some interested, uh, if you're interested, they are at four eight zero four eighty Hillsboro Street, Suite one thousand in Pittsburgh, North Carolina. So get in the car and get on up there. Uh, they're in a historical. Uh, uh, place uh, this uh, label uh, label mill. Uh, it's a big complex, apparently, just north of downtown Pittsburgh on fifteen five hundred one. Uh, you're a couple of miles south of Highway sixty four bypass, uh, right, Ben? Yep, that's right. 
just a little bit south of Chapel Hill. And just to be clear, we're not we're not advocating that Southern Carolinians drive to North Carolina and buy several cases at a time and then bring it across the border because we would never approve or condone that. Oh, of course Are not. Actually, I always tell the the South Carolinians, I said, you know, if you know somebody on this side of the border, I'll be happy to ship to them, but you have to come get it from them. (laughs) There you go. Wow. Uh, You know, the the beer industry seems to make it sound so easy and simple, you know, but... uh... Uh, as as long as I've been uh, you know connected with this meet, and of course lately here with Vicky and AJ and of course Pete, I've learned more and more and more. And then starting the show, talking to the different meteries, how how difficult it seems to be to get your meat on the shelf because of all the different constraints, regulations, uh, so on and so forth, from state to state. Yeah, it's it's interesting. We're we're still just um, just in distributed within North Carolina, and in fact, we're we're only we're self distributed, so we're only in about thirty one stores, um, and and that's on purpose. We we could probably grow faster if we wanted to, um, but we really wanted to uh, to basically um, just go a little bit deeper and and stay stay within where we're at. Um, Using North Carolina honey um, as well, uh, it just seems like a really good tie-in. So about 80% of our, our sales are actually through the tasting room, um, and that's uh, you know that's by design. That's where our highest profit margin is. Don't tell anyone. Yeah, <laughs> well, gee, we're you know that leads, before. Yeah, <laughs> that leads into another really interesting question, Ben, that I had on my mind, and that is. You know, what's your demographic uh, in the tasting room and in your clubs? Are you seeing mostly, you know, yuppies, yesies, yetis, uh, college students? Tipsters. Don't forget Yeti. the tipsters. I like that. <laughs> we, uh, I don't think the yetis came this far south. <laughs> they melt. They do for mead. <laughs> the, only the good mead, though. Um, our, our demographic is all over the place. Um, it we and and part of that's by design um we knew that the mead drinkers would find us um we knew that opening in north carolina that there is a thing in this state called muscadine wine oh yeah love us some muscadine generally speaking very sweet that and sweet tea we knew that people looking for something sweet would find us they'd read honey and they'd come running we were what we were worried about getting was the drier wine drinkers because everybody reads honey and assumes it's sweet and so we specifically made some of our um drier meads to kind of mimic red and white wines ben's got an off dry currant mead right now that's got red currant and black currant juices in it and is oaked that smells like any good bottle of red wine and and so we use those to entice those uh drier wine drinkers to give us a shot um, but literally 80% of the people in the tasting room have never had mead before. And, and so, you know, it's, it's a lot of people going, I don't know what to expect. I thought it was beer. I don't know. Um, but, but yeah, we're, we're making a wine style mead. So, so that's what, what we focus on and giving, trying to give them a great experience. But yeah, the age range is all over the place. Uh, income levels all over the place. 
drier, sweet tastes all over the place. Yeah, well, that's great. See, it, it just reaffirms my, you know, not suspicion, but just, you know, longstanding thought that, you know, meat is pretty much across the board to everybody. It, it, it spans any kind of group of people, really. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, uh, it's funny, we're, we're just south of, of uh, UNC, um, Chapel Hill, and so we'll, we'll get um, the kids that are, you know, well. 21 and over. Yeah, of course. Because <laughs> that's what their cards say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and then we'll, we'll have their parents, after they've dropped them off, <laughs> as well so it's, it's uh, really it really is across the board getting them two generations at once it's awesome yep. south of us is a big retirement community also south of us is a, a large military community and we get a lot of people up from there too yeah that's great that's really great Awesome. That, is, that is that is really cool. I'm I've been I've been hearing from here and there just from various people and from you guys too with the class that you're doing out there and I think that's I think that's just awesome. I'm really hoping that that catches on. I mean, you got it on the East Coast here. Mondavi's doing at least one now a year on the West Coast. So I think it'd be really great to start seeing these. What would you call a school of meat making? I mean, why making is analogy. I don't know. Medology. Medology. Yeah, I guess it depends on which root word. Yeah. It's the Latin root for honey. Medology. There you go. That makes sense. Medology 101. We get the question all the time. Well, wait, isn't that your competition? Why are you training your competition? And we're like, no, 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 no. 80% of the people haven't had meat. There is no competition yet. We we need more meat. Yeah, we're Exactly, and by training the competition, quote-unquote, you're also converting them slowly but surely. Yeah, in fact, one of our first employees um, came to us and said, you know, I'm a a home mead maker, and this is kind of a dream of mine, and we said, well, do you want a job? And um, so she she came, and she uh, she worked for us one summer, and um, now it's been a few years, and last October she opened her meadery in Durham, so just um, a few miles north of us. And yeah. And Honey Girl Meadery. Uh, uh, I got to go visit her. Yeah. Oh, you do. You absolutely do. Uh, great, great time. Great. Um, I mean, she makes some really good meads, too. Uh, she's she does some uh, an orange blossom that's really really nice, um, just very lightly sweet. It's um, it's closer to a to a off dry um, than to a semi sweet, um, but just just beautiful. The the um, you know the the citrus notes that she keeps in there. It's just nice. I will definitely have to check that out then. Yeah, there's sour meat. Four meteries now in North Carolina, and I heard that the fifth just filed their federal paperwork. Um, yep. I, I saw that on the AMMA page on Facebook, and I was like, yay! He had <laughs> yeah, taken one of our classes previously. There you go. <laughs> nice. And, and he, he, tag, he uh, dropped me a uh, PM behind the scenes to let me know that they were filing. I'm like, woo-hoo! Four! We're up to four! Yeah! In another 50 years, we'll catch up with Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, he'll he'll be five because in November the fourth one opened. Uh, B and Bramble out near Asheville. Oh, they, they ended up opening. Okay. Yes, yes, they did. And um, awesome. if you if you get over to Sam's Bottle Shop in Durham, uh, they just started distributing there um, this last summer. Uh, yeah, in July. And uh, I met the meat the mead maker there, and and we uh, we shared some mead with him. He, he also is doing some really nice things. Everybody makes such a different product. It's so great to, to taste good mead. And I guess that's why it's not really like you're training your competition, because everybody makes everything so different. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. That's, that's yeah. what me makes mead so interesting, is that you can take, you know, everybody can go out and buy a five-gallon bucket of orange blossom honey, and everybody comes back with a completely different product. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. Well, one of the one of the things that people ask me about is, you know, how do I come up with a recipe? And and my my favorite joke is, and it's not really a joke, but um, it's well, I start with what tastes good with honey, and yeah. it just doesn't fit me very much. And it, that's that's where all of us are at. You, 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 I read somewhere on your webpage, uh, Ben and Becky, that you also keep uh, beehives. <laughs> so. We- <laughs> We finally uh, we felt sorry for the poor bees and finally hired a beekeeper. But yes, we do we do have a couple a couple of hives and uh, broke down in this uh, this last uh, one roommates, right? Yeah, we uh, we hired a a local fifteen year old girl who came to us and said, "I'd really like to take care of your bees," and we said, "We'd really like you to." Uh, and and so uh, so she's been taking care of them. So we've just got a couple of hives, and it's mainly so that when people come up and, uh, and say, "Well, where are your vines?" We point to the boxes, and they're right out there. Do you want to go stomp? <laughs> Hopefully, they say no. <laughs> Usually, yeah. yeah. So far they- <laughs> So uh, are you are you getting some pretty good honey from it? I'd imagine. <laughs> um, it, yes, but it, none of it's going into the mead. We we uh, basically we've had to replace the bees almost every year um, because the beekeeper is also the mead maker is also the full time Kodak guy and and yeah the the bees just weren't cared for enough so. Uh, this this will be a much better year. <laughs> Very good. Awesome. That is that that is that's really hilarious. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say we did buy over four tons of North Carolina wildflower honey last year. <laughs> oh, there you Same. Go. that's yeah. that's a lot. <laughs> it is a lot. <laughs> In five-gallon pails. <laughs> oh, God. Wow. All right, so here's the question for you then. Five-gallon pails, and I've seen your fermenters, and they're probably bigger now than they were that I saw them last. So are you lugging five-gallon pails up a ladder? <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> the first batch, I was stupid enough to do that. <laughs> And then ever since then, I actually stand on the ground, pour it into another container, 
um, and mix it with water and then pump it into the tank. So uh, I got I got smarter. <laughs> so there's a there's a, a cane that they use to fill um, barrels, and Oscar probably knows uh, exactly what I'm talking about. Um, yet it's the perfect size to go into this 20 gallon plastic container that I pour the honey into, and then I just use that to uh, to pump the honey water solution out of that container instead of pumping uh, stuff into it. Um, okay. Yeah, Becky just asked me what size fermenters. Uh, I've got a 528-gallon fermenter, a 264-gallon fermenter, and a 158-gallon fermenter. So three, three fermenters at different sizes for the different batches that I'm making. Okay. And from from, cool. from start to finish, uh, how how much time uh, uh, elapses from from beginning to say bottle? I think we said that already, but yeah, yeah. three months. Oh. Yep. <laughs> I got I got buttons. I got I, I'm working without an engineer, so I got oh, buttons. Oh, he's he's got buttons to push. <laughs> That's his excuse. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> three months. All right. One too many shots of check there, JD. Yeah, well, <laughs> there will be a test later. I hope you're taking that. Uh, all right. Did, did we ever find out what the mystery beer was? I'm actually uh, not quite sure. Um, <laughs> it may still be that I got to taste the scotch in my mouth, but I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's a mystery. It's not bad, aside from being a little on the flat side. So either it's the one I bottled the other day, or or it's my pumpkin. I think. Pumpkin <laughs> oh, spice yeah, in it. Uh, pumpkin spice beer. I think. I think it's one of the flat yeah. ones. Did, so yeah. Much, did you see the meme that's going around on Facebook? This is. How much scotch did you have before that? One shot. <laughs> oh, okay. You're okay then. Yeah. This bottle's gonna last me like the rest of the decade. <laughs> that's pretty funny. One shot. Now you saw the meme that's going around. Uh, how to drink a pumpkin ale? Step number one: throw it away. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Oh, yeah, it was. It's, it's popped up on my Facebook feed like half a dozen times because all everybody I know is re- resharing it. <laughs> going, okay, I like them. Drop them over here. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's actually what they actually use pumpkin instead of just the spice. Yeah. Well, that's what actually got me into wanting to make beer in the first place was I tried a really good pumpkin ale. Yeah. Very good. There's there's some really nice ones out there. Um, I do like a little bit of spice in, in mine. It's interesting because I heard um, Michael on uh, one of the previous shows talking, um, Michael Fairbrother, um, talking about how he won't make a, a pumpkin mead. Um, <laughs> and and people have asked us uh, quite a bit about, you know, trying to make a pumpkin mead. Yeah, every fall they, they ask, when are you going to come out with a pumpkin and for me, I, I wouldn't mind doing that. I just the the spice for profile is so similar to what we're doing in the in the apple. I I would need to come up with something different, and I just haven't had that pop in my head yet as, as how I would make it different. So, I'll give you a secret weapon for that, Ben. 
I can't wait to see your weapon to make it really different. Use the What's sugar that? pumpkins and bake them. Bake them with brown no, sugar on it before no, you put it in. No, 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 no. He is not baking pumpkins. We are not cutting up pumpkins. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. I'm going to start calling a meadery every day going, when's your pumpkin meat coming out? And then hanging out. Uh-huh. Yeah, good luck with that. How about a pumpkin uh-huh. shy? Oh, uh, so yeah. We do have, uh, we do have a shy. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, we need to wrap this uh, segment up. Uh, gosh, what a lot of fun. Wow, we've got everybody here that we need, right? <laughs> Are we going to have Ask Oscar Live? There he is. And we need to monitor him because you know how he gets if we just yeah, let him not. And he's been drinking <laughs> meat tonight, too. Uh-huh. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but uh, He's dangerous when left to his own devices. So you know, just saying. And I have plenty of devices. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> but I'm bum. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, you know, you never, just never know what to expect uh, around here on this Got Me Live show. But uh, once I don't again, even know why uh, you try to keep us organized? What's the point? I, I, you know, <laughs> exercise and uh, futility, man. Keep telling you. Yeah, really. resistance is futile. Star, Starlight Beads in North Carolina. Uh, you know, once again, uh, 40 Hillsborough Street, Suite 1000 in Pittsburgh, North Carolina at Chatham Mills. Uh, get on up there and check them out. Tell them you heard about it from the Got Me Live show uh, where uh, JD, Vicky, and and everybody else uh, just carries on here. So, uh, absolutely, what a fun night. Uh, Becky and uh, Ben, awesome. Uh, and thank you very much for uh, for coming on the show. Thank you Thanks so much, guys. Yes, thank you. Great speaking with you guys again. We'll see you in November. Definitely. Uh, I'll see you sooner than that. I'm going to kidnap John, and, and we'll just have to drive over there for dinner and, you know, a mead visit. Sounds great, Becky. <laughs> All right. Take care, guys. All right. Wow, what a fun! Uh, gosh, I gotta. I just gotta get out to North Carolina. That's all there is to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. You know. Yeah, there's a new Sierra Nevada brewery out there. Yeah. <laughs> In uh, <laughs> that's on the beer show, Oscar. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Show Pete. <laughs> All right, so uh, coming up, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about how do you get it to the metal round. So sit tight. We'll be right back. Starlight Mead, located in the heart of North Carolina, specializes in wine-style meads of varying sweetness level, with a menu that usually includes 16 different flavors and featuring local North Carolina honey, there's always something new to try. Whether you like a drier mead that mimics a red or white wine or something sweeter with fruit or herbs, Starlight Mead has got you covered. Come in for a tasting. Starlight Mead Artisan Winery and Tasting Room is located at 480 Hillsborough Street, Suite 1000, Pittsburgh, North Carolina, at Chatham Mills. This historic Lagle Mill complex is located just north of downtown Pittsburgh on 15501, two miles south of Highway 64 Bypass, or order a bottle from Vinoshipper.com. Either way, Starlight Mead hopes to surprise and delight you. If you're a mead maker, you need GotMead.com. It is the absolute best and most complete resource for mead making you will ever need. 
The form consists of recipes, discussion on equipment, techniques, and methods, complete with its own batch calculator. GotMead.com offers everything you need to start making mead today. And for just $25 a year, as a patron member, you'll have access to proven award-winning recipes, fermentation management, equipment discussion, and a whole lot more. GotMead.com. Sign up today. Growing up in a culture where home winemaking was a way of life, Sergio Mutella naturally began making wines himself as an adult, finding his way into brewing beer and eventually his discovery of mead. Earning numerous mead-making awards, Melovino opens its doors, becoming the first meadery in the Garden State. Featuring 20 different craft meads with amazing varieties, Melovino is the fastest-growing meadery in the country. Melovino offers tastings and tours every weekend, and all of their meads are available online, shipping to 22 states across the country. Go to melovino.com and book your tour and tasting today. Located at 2933 Vauxhall Road near the rear of the Milburn Mall in Vauxhall, New Jersey. Melovino.com. And we are back live. I'll tell you, I, I, I really need to start recording some of the background jabber that goes on between commercials here on Godmead Live. Quite interesting, especially the after show stuff, too. I, I should really start doing that. Yeah, uh, just don't tell us because then we'll have to kill you. Yep. <laughs> But uh, I thought we'd have a brief discussion. Uh, you know, so many of these meaderies uh, we talk to, you know, uh, most of them, they, they've entered their meads uh, into competitions. And, I mean, they just, you know, it's a medal after medal. And, uh, I, you know, I don't know whether that's the single thing that says, hey, you know, we need to open a meadery or at least one of the indications that, hey, you know what, we got some pretty good stuff here. Uh, you know, we could probably open a meadery and, and sell this to the public. So, you know, what does it take to get there? You know, what should be, we we'd be concerned about most uh, about getting our mead into competition? Well, oh. I mean, to me, I would say, you know, it doesn't matter where these things, I noticed that in the show notes you had something about it, when you know it's good enough, it doesn't matter. Make something to the best of your ability and enter it, and the judges are going to give you commentary. They're going to give you feedback that are going to help you improve your means. One of the first ones I ever sent in was awful, and uh, it eventually aged out and turned good. But at the time, I got back like some really comprehensive notes on what they thought might have gone sideways, what they thought could improve it, um, what to do next time, and that was great. Oscar, right? Uh, Go ahead. Yeah, I think one of the things that is a real challenge when you're entering a competition is competition meads are not the meads that I make for myself to drink. Mm -hmm. Competition meads, in my opinion, in order to get to the the, the medal round, in, at least in category, um, literally have to take out a bat and beat the judges over the head. If you put in something that's really complex and structured and subtle, um, it's, it generally doesn't have the legs to make it into the medal round in the category. But if it does and it gets to the best of the show table, then it's going to have a really strong chance of taking the best show. But in the, in, in the early rounds, you, really, you can't really be subtle. If you put oak, cherry, chipotle, sizer on the label, then the judges will look at that and they go, I don't taste any oak. Ding. Now nah, the cherry could be better. Ding. This, you know, the Chipotle is too much. Ding! You know, and, and all of a sudden you take a, a mead that, that really deserves a high score, 
And because those names are called out and it's not in the quantity that they really feel it should be, it gets dinged down. Now, that's not the case on all judging tables, but I've seen it happen in different competitions. I'm, I'm going to be doing three competitions out here in about the next six weeks or so. Um, judging, I should say, three competitions. And, you know, one of the things that I really try to, to spread around the table when I'm sitting at a table and judging with other, uh, other folks is, you know, listen, the, because, just because it doesn't, just because these things don't jump out at you individually, let, let's take a step back and taste it again and see if you note all of those things and how they complement one another. Are they complementary? Um, is there sufficient, you know, flavor input from each one of those things? Does it blend? Does it make uh, a greater sum? Or are they disjointed and not integrated? And rather than, yeah, do I taste all three of those or are they well integrated? Or is it nicely layered? Is it nicely structured? Is it complex? What kind of a, you know, long finish and short finish does it have? And, you know, what's the impression it leaves you with? Does it, does it give you something that's well crafted or does it give you something that's just kind of like, I made a meat and then I added juice of cherry and then I added some chipotle to it and then I added some, you know, put it on oak for a couple of weeks. There's a big chasm in there, in yeah. my opinion. Yeah, Brandon, uh, Brandon Gretsch, uh, Stasis uh, in the Got Mead Live or in the Got, Got Mead Live in the Got Mead forums. Uh, he asked a question earlier, uh, and I don't know. Uh, you know, to, for me, a new mead maker, I think it's a pretty good question. I struggled with this early on. But he asks, how do you how do you know that your meat is good if you've had no other meats to, to compare it with or to compare it to, you know? I mean, how do you know Take that... Take it in a mirror and watch your face. But <laughs> Take it under a mirror and watch your face. Yeah, literally. I've it, done well, that. Yeah, I, I mean, in, in all seriousness. I mean, uh, yeah, if it tastes good. And, you know, I, I go to wineries... Uh, uh, you know, and I don't know. I'm just, I, you get mesmerized by someone's uh, description of the wine that you're about to taste, and and I, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, dude, if it tastes good, I'll like it. If it doesn't, I'm not gonna like it. You know, is it that simple? <laughs> I think it's up to the individual. AJ, what do you think? I don't know. The one time I went to a winery and I read the tasting notes and what I actually tasted was exactly what the notes said. I bought the wine. Yeah. But my palate's not all that sophisticated and I there's a couple of things that I really like that are considered faults. Like, I actually like a slightly oxidized mead, which is, you know, the sherry-like notes to that. I really like that and I've done it on purpose, but technically that's a fault. That's oxidation. Yeah. So, you know, I don't trust my taste. I trust other people's taste. Uh, but, I mean, everybody's different, too. Like, um, I actually did submit... Well, actually, my friend submitted a couple of meads on my behalf to a uh, competition, and I did take home the gold for that with um, a Blackberry Joe's Ancient Orange variant because I had oaked it and aged it, and they found that it was really well balanced. And the group of people that were judging it, what uh, I got from the notes that they sent back on my maple mead, my uh, pumpkin mead, and my... Um, um, Blackberry J A O uh, was that what they were looking for was balance, 
um, because they, there was a couple of things that they didn't like about the one that the pumpkin was a little too dry for them and the uh, maple there was someone who really hated the aftertaste whereas I absolutely love it so it's right that's the thing taste is objective yep it really is and you're right about the uh, the oxidation and see that's the thing that I was talking about in the in the actual first and second rounds where you go through the first round to, to weed out, you know, the stuff that's just not up to snuff for the best of, uh, best of category round or the gold, you know, gold, silver, and bronze of that particular category. Mm-hmm. If people get oxidation of those, they generally ding it and don't want to advance them. But to me, you have to look at the mead as it stands in front of you and wonder if the, if the mead maker actually intended that to be part of it. And they entered it because it was part of it. And hoping that there are judges out there that understand that a small amount of oxidation in the mead adds characters to it that are great. And a lot of people don't get that, the judge. Oh, it's a fault. You know, you've got a lot of people coming in from uh, different beverages, from wine, from beer, from sake, from spirits, and that kind of thing. And, you know, they have their own preconceived notions of what is and isn't a fault. And if it's a fault and it's in there, then it's got to be dinged rather than step back from and observe and said, well... Does it actually add a degree of complexity that wouldn't normally be in one that didn't have it? And right. if so, does that make it a better mead? And you get that at the best show table, but a lot of times I don't see that happening so often. It happens, but not as often as I'd like to see at the regular judging tables. I'm uh, working very hard on a mead uh, that I'm hoping is going to be my best effort. Uh, this is actually one of Oscar's recipes, and it is a medal winner, I believe, in 2006, Oscar, uh, if I'm correct, Which without looking at my uh, This is the uh, sweet traditional, I believe it was uh, 2006 that medaled, uh, let's see, this is uh, Best of Show, California State Fair 2006. Oh, okay, uh, Orange Blossom, that's, yeah, yeah oak, that's an oak. Uh, oak orange blossom. Yeah, and I'm I'm following the recipe as as Oscar knows. Uh, after uh, how many emails now? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I yeah, and this is being done on my new fermenter where I actually have very confident uh, temperature control, which is a big issue here in Southern California if you're not prepared for it, uh, and. I don't know that I'm expecting a medal-winning mead, but, you know, there again, I I don't have anything to compare. I don't have a glass of Oscar's, uh, you know, medal-winning mead to to compare it to. You know? Yeah, and see, that's the thing. it's, it's It's always a challenge when... Okay, I've got this great, you know, recipe. It's it's won a medal here, and it's you know, there's a lot of people that have tried it and they really really like it and all that. It's like, it's kind of like uh, I'll liken that to uh, um, uh, Steve Lukather was talking about how you know there's guys that get his same amps and his same guitar rigged the same way and all that. He goes, but no matter what they do, it's never going to sound like me. They don't have a gut like I have. They don't have the fingers that I have. They don't, you know. They're not as tall with as shorter arms or as long arms or as big a hands as smaller hands. It, you know, there's all these variables that go into it. And so, you know, well, my temperature control is different than the one that you're using, but that doesn't mean it's not going to be good. Um, and 
for for all we know, it could turn out better, and you know, more power to it because you know, with with the right equipment and with the right styles and the right techniques, you can really can really turn out some great stuff. But at the same time, um, if it's first if it's the first time on something, uh, people tend to overthink it, especially if they've got a recipe that's like you know been proven and and is either won a medal or you know shows really well every time that people try it. So I think my best advice on that is just to, you know, read it over, do follow the instructions, and, you know, just take it at face value. And just what I really did with that one is it, it aged. And, you know, what's well, funny about it? <laughs> Go ahead. Well, no, I was just going to say, you know, you, you can damn sure expect a bottle of it, uh, you know, being driven down a coast of basis. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's funny because that recipe, um, I made it in 2004, and in, well, get out of there, and I made it in 2004, and so I was over in Croatia for a month, and so when I got back, I saw that the airlock was tilted to the side, and, you know, it wasn't sealed, and I'm like, oh, crap, I just lost, you know, like, two gallons left in the bottom of the carboy. You know, so I went in and I thieved some off and I tasted it and it actually tasted better than when I left. And going back to what AJ said about that small amount of oxidation, yeah. there's a small amount of oxidation in it. And so I went ahead and bottled that up and sent it up to California State Fair and it took best to show in first place in category as well. Yeah. So you just never know what the judges are going to do for you. Well, you know, and finally, Vicki, you know, are there do's and don'ts to submitting your mead to a competition? Yeah. Um, first thing would be to don't overcomplicate things. We get some meads that are like, whoa, dude, that was way beyond the pale. You know, they come up with excruciatingly complex concoctions that are not only are they difficult to uh, judge, but a lot of times it's they're doing what I did for my first mead, which is, too much mead for your skill level. Like Pete said uh, three or four episodes back and ask Oscar, take on a style and just nail that style. So if you started out making a traditional, then just keep making traditionals until you've got it nailed and they're coming out good every time because you know how now. So, you know, I would say, you know, unless you're really good at taking disappointment, don't send in the first time you've ever made a mescaline, you know, unless it's really, really good. Another thing is, um, and uh, y'all can y'all can flame me later over this. Read the damn directions. Um, <laughs> Pete, Pete and I are both in, are, are both involved with the um, Mazer Cup with a group of extremely talented people. And one of the biggest things we run into over the years is what part of do this, this, and this did you not understand? You can ship your meat all the way across the country only to have it disqualified. Because you didn't read the rules and do it the way they asked. Yeah. Well, interesting. Yeah, exactly right. Go ahead, Pete. Yeah, that's one of the biggest challenges that we have is, look, we don't put a competition together to want to disqualify people from entering. No. But there are some, there are some people out there that are aggressively ignorant. They just yeah. will not read rules. <laughs> they'll they'll send you they'll send you emails asking you things that are plainly carved out 
in the rules and, uh, you know, policies and, and judging standards and expect that you're going to spell everything out for them. And it's like, you know, we've got, you know, 800 people in, or 800 entries to deal with. It's like, we don't have time to tell every individual exactly how to do things. That's why we put this stuff out there. Do we miss things? Yes, we do. We're human, just like everybody else, and we try to correct those as quickly as we can. But the bottom line is, you know, 90%, 99.9% of the stuff that's out there on, on the, you know, in the rules and regulations and, and policies and entry rules and such uh, is covered. All you have to do is read it. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, and, and I have witnessed the backlash from, you know, the, some of the questions, uh, the, or at least the discussions we've had about, uh, you know, the Ask Oscar segment and, you know, how important it is to read the instructions, do what the instructions tell you, uh, you know, in order to get, uh, you know, the best results or any results for that matter. And it's just kind of the same thing. I mean, if you're, if you're not good with follow-up, if you're not good with uh, paying attention, reading the rules, uh, uh, you know, uh, even with me, uh, guys, when I when I came across this recipe, and I've heard Pete talk more, over and over and over, you know, about consistency and about, you know, do one thing at a time, do it well, and then move on to the next thing. So I picked traditional. It's time I learned how to do just a traditional. And so I picked an award-winning recipe not that I'm expecting to enter it, you know, to any competition, but I thought, you know what, this is a recipe that I need to do and do well, maybe several times. So I'm assuming I'm on the right track if in, say, several years or several batches from now, I want to submit my recipe to, to a competition, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Well, and, and, and oh, go ahead, Pete, sorry. I'm sorry, I was just going to say that, you know, the other thing is by tasting other means and getting out there and going to competitions and either stewarding at competitions or eventually judging at competitions, you'll get a whole lot more insight. Um, you'll get a, a, a much wider exposure to different kinds of meat, to different kinds of beers as well. Um, and you'll be able to zero in on what's good and what isn't, isn't so good. Uh, so the, the wider exposure you get to need and all the different kinds of categories of needs, um, you'll be able to spot the ones that are good in every category in no time at all, really, because they all present very, very similarly as far as the balance and the structure and the complexity goes. Flavors are going to be wildly different based on the ingredients, but the whole idea of having something that's really well-made and really structured uh, that, that presents in the mouth, you know, consistently from front to back with different kinds of flavors erupting as, as they move across the palate and, you know, the development of uh, aroma as it gets more air and the development of flavor as you taste it in the, in the short, medium, and long finish and, you know, along the gums and the tongue and under the tongue and along the teeth and the back of the throat. It's, it's just amazing. And, and when you start feeling that and sensing it, that's really when you start knowing, you know, almost by smell if you're going to have something good or not so good. The defining moment for me was uh, after tasting Redstone's uh, blackberry mead and uh, discovered that, ah, oh, that's what my blackberry was supposed to taste like. I uh, have moved on. So it's a good thing that I picked up this recipe 
of Oscars and got the right equipment and uh, really making a, a, a good attempt at uh, trying to produce a good mead. With that, we're going to step away, take a break. Ask Oscar coming up, so get your phones out. We'll be right back. Mead, located in the heart of North Carolina, specializes in wine-style meads of varying sweetness levels, with a menu that usually includes 16 different flavors, and featuring local North Carolina honey, there's always something new to try. Whether you like a drier mead that mimics a red or white wine, or something sweeter with fruit or herbs, Starlight Mead has got you covered. Come in for a tasting. Starlight Mead Artisan Winery and Tasting Room is located at 480 Hillsboro Street, Suite 1000, Pittsboro, North Carolina, at Chatham Mills. This historic Lego Mill complex is located just north of downtown Pittsburgh on 15501, two miles south of Highway 64 Bypass, or order a bottle from vinoshipper.com. Either way, Starlight Mead hopes to surprise and delight you. Besides being the county seat of Cass County, it's also the home of Prairie Rose Meadery, the only meadery in North Dakota. Owned and operated by Susan and Bob Rude, they produce five amazing meads with a sixth on the way, all available in their tasting room. From bees to bottles, the Prairie Rose Tasting Room is located at 3101 39th Street South, Suite E in Fargo, North Dakota, and features their award-winning traditional and blackberry meads. Other amazing flavors available include ginger, mint, cherry, and an upcoming star anise mead. Tasting room hours are Thursday through Friday, 5 to 10 p.m., Saturday from 11 a.m. to 11 p.m., and Sunday from noon to 6 p.m. Make Prairie Rose Meadery a must-do when you're in Fargo, North Dakota. Visit them online at prairierosemeadery.com or stop by at 3101 39th Street South, Suite E in Fargo, North Dakota. Prairie Rose Meadery, a delightful mead experience. Homebrewtalk.com, your absolute everything resource for brewing beer at home. Their forum covers recipes, brewing equipment, and help from member brewers. If you picked up your equipment today, you can start brewing tonight with everything you need to know at homebrewtalk.com. Sign up today for as little as $4 a month and become a supporting member. We are back live, Got Mead Live tonight on a Tuesday night. Uh, heck of a show tonight. A lot of fun having uh, Ben and Becky Starr on the show. Talked a little bit about, you know, what does it take to get your, your mead to a competition? Probably could have spent the whole hour talking about that. But uh, we've got a unique opportunity, uh, AJ and Vicky. Uh, not sitting at the table, but with us by phone is uh, Ask Oscar. Uh, and uh, we're just going to throw the phone lines open and uh, just take the questions. Hey, right. I, have a que- I have a question. Right okay. should, should we call him Ask or Mr. Ask? Mr. Mr. Oscar. <laughs> Mr. Oscar. Because <laughs> you introduced him. You're like, with us, we have Ask Oscar. Ask Oscar. So, so ask, how is yeah. your day going today? <laughs> Sorry, I had to put if it you, out there. If you ever... Seeing all that, I thought, I thought you were saying ass. Well, I'll say that right to your face where you're looking at me. You know that. If you ever, uh, if you ever had an opportunity to uh, ask Oscar a question live, now is the time. And here's our first caller. That was uh, cool. <laughs> 8824 on the line with uh, Oscar, AJ, Vicky, and myself. Uh, who are you? Where are you from? And what's your question? 
Hi, this is Matt from Minneapolis. Hey, Matt. Matt. Minneapolis. Hey, Matt. Go ahead. What's up, Matt? I have a question, I have a question about braggots, specifically yeast for braggots. I generally have used wine yeast for braggots, but I'm, I'm, I guess I'm beginning to feel like I need to use either two different yeast, a beer yeast to start, and then a wine yeast, or I was wondering if maybe I could get away with one type of yeast to uh, to take care of all the different, I guess, uh, maltose and maltotriose that maybe the wine yeast have a hard time with. And, and I guess I'm learning this the hard way because I'm uh, I have a whole lot of under attenuated uh, braggots, but I, I, did, I just was wondering if uh, if Oscar might have a uh, I guess a, a tip on yeast or braggots or how how to properly ferment them. Okay, so um, can you tell me which yeast you've used so far? Well, D forty seven, D forty seven, seventy one B. Most of all, the white and red wine yeast, and uh, and they've just always come out under attenuated. And I've done a little bit of research, and it seems like uh, they don't do very well with some of the some of the uh, I guess beer sugars, uh, for lack of a better term. And I don't know. Yeah, what they they, they, tend, to, using they two, tend to go for the honey sugars. How do I do that? See now, it's funny because one of the yeasts that I like tapping on for traditionals, I actually use in in braggots, and that's the EC eleven eighteen. It's a priest of moose yeast. It's got an eighteen percent alcohol tolerance. Uh, where are you? Where are you pitching your yeast? What time uh, are you? Have you already like uh, whirlpooled and uh, and cooled, or are you pitching it right at the end of the boil after it's you know sufficiently cooled, or? Do you whirlpool and then cool, or do you... Okay. So I generally speaking just make a, a beer recipe and then add in honey right at, you know, at, at the very end and or when it's cooling down and then just kind of stir it in. And then uh, once it's down to pitching temperature, 60-something degrees, then, I, then I'll, uh, add, I'll add my, uh, you know, properly rehydrated wine yeast and... Okay, I just don't know. Are you growing grain or uh, Go ahead. Okay, are you are you using grain batches or are you going with extract batches? I've done both. Okay, um, I've found that going with a good dark honey. I like uh, my two favorite honeys for this are uh, the uh, macadamia nut honey and the western buckwheat honey. Um, I kind of substitute in honey in the place of some of the grain up front. So it goes through the boil, so I've got honey sugars in there from the beginning. Um, I find that with honey in there, it tends to, uh, you know, that amylase conversion starts up a little bit quicker, and so the, the, the wine yeast can get to it a little bit quicker. It's just been my experience. I haven't done any experiments that really clear that out other than making braggots. It turned out really well, in my opinion. Um, so, you know, you go, through, you go through your boil, you go through your, you know, you go through your mash, you go through your boil, um, you know, do you boil off at all? Well, of course, of course. So, okay. so hold on. You're saying you, you add the honey during the mash, or at I the actually boil, add at the, the boil. I actually add honey during the mash. Yeah, and then oh, uh, it's already in there for the boil. Um, it's you know, it's, it's not standard, but I I do. <laughs> Um, it's worked out pretty well for me, but I like the EC one eleven eighteen. So, like I said, one of the things that I do also is I make a big starter of that. 
I get it just ripping and ready to tear into it. So when I so when I go ahead and I spike the the work with uh, my 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 yeast slurry, uh, it gets in there and it just starts right in. And I generally don't really have a problem with it under attenuating. And it's kind of a weird thing because in the brewing world, they're always looking for attenuation. In the wine world, we don't even talk about attenuation. So, well, um, and I guess that's part of the. I, I usually get away with you know one packet of wine yeast properly rehydrated with Gold Firm or something of that sort. But when I make a big, large beer with a you know similar gravity, I'm doing a two liter starter on a stir plate, and I always. I always think that's kind of odd. So, yeah. So, and here's the other thing too. Um, you definitely want to temperate with this. You know, um, once you get your uh, starter going, you know, I like a, you know, like about a liter starter at least. Um, hmm. Once the starter is up and running and all that, before you add it into your uh, work, you want to go ahead and take um, half the amount of that starter. So let's say 500 ml. Um, and add that into your uh, starter and get it going and then add the starter into another 500 ml of that wort so you have basically two liters to go and let that get going. So now you've got like a big two-liter batch of your meat or your braggot already going. Then you go ahead and inoculate that. Hmm. Give that a try. See what um, yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much. Good sure. Day. Thanks, do uh, thanks for the call, Matt. We've got uh, we've got another uh, question here. This is actually coming from Hamish. Uh, he's down in Australia. Unfortunately, he can't be on live with us. But uh, he is uh, asking Oscar. Uh, let me get to his notes here. He's asking Oscar about uh, how can I substitute Fermade O and Fermade K with DAP and homemade yeast hulls. He wants to do SNA. But all the directions are brand-driven with Fermade, which he cannot get unless he buys 10 pounds at a time. <laughs> Sounds like he wants yeah, to his own nutrient, right? Yeah, I saw this one come along. This is one that's better addressed by email. I can give him some, some things to do and some different things to do. But basically what you're going to do, Hamish, is you're going to go to one of the YAN calculators out there that's you know, just about everywhere. Uh, figure out what the addition of DAP is going to be. It's going to bring your uh, your your uh, your must up to about 200 parts per million of nitrogen. Um, then take the standard one half. Uh, excuse me. Yeah, half gram per gallon of must uh, of your yeast holes and put those in. So. You know, start out at 200 parts per million nitrogen with your DAP addition. Add sufficient yeast holes to bring uh, uh, basically at one half, one half gram per gallon. And that's going to give it sufficient turbidity for the yeast to take hold in there as well as it's going to add some of those amino, uh, the amino-based nitrogen as opposed to the ammonia-based nitrogen that you get from the DAP. Very good. I, uh, you know, talking about all this nutrient stuff and, um, I, you know, something that I've got to learn more about as well, uh, Oscar, there's several different varieties and kinds of nutrients out there. I mean, how do you know what you're getting? I mean, uh, you know, like he says, he can't get Fermade K and O and, and, and that kind of thing where he's at. And then where I'm at up here, uh, 
I don't, I don't know yet that I can't get it, but I have not seen it at the two brew stores that I go to. But I do see stuff from, uh, I think it's Brewcraft and then Y Yeast. So how yeah, do you know where you're getting? Um, basically, I stick with the, the manufacturer that I really love, and that's Lalamont. Uh, I use from AK, Fermato, you know, and a number of their other products as well, the, the enzymes for yeast and, you know, their, uh, their malolactic bacteria when they're making wine and such. But uh, the thing is, you know, it, it's a difficult world to find everything you want in, and sometimes you're going to have to pay through the nose to get it. I just kind of, like, take that as, you know, like, if that's what it costs to do it, then that's what it costs to do it. I get my stuff from more beer. They're more winemaking now. They have, you know, they call it more flavor. So they got more beer, more winemaking, more flavors. But uh, they have all the wine yeast, all the nutrients, all the additions, all of the anything and everything you want to make mead. And, you know, I've heard people, you know, saying, I just can't find this stuff. And I say, more beer. And then two months later, they're singing the same song, morebeer.com, morewinemaking.com. And like half of your later, I go, did you even bother listening to me the first few times I told you to go to that site? Because you can order it online, it'll be to you if you live in California within a couple of days, and if you live out of state, they ship out of state too. Yeah, He's, and matter uh, of fact, they probably even ship internationally. Um, Hamish is going on with this question here. He says that if he ponies up at the two hundred dollars for the Fermade, does it keep? Apparently, Fermade K is illegal in Australia uh, for whatever <laughs> reason. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't uh, pony up a couple hundred bucks for that. You know, just you might want to take a look at uh, a book called um, Making Mead Honey Wine by Roger Morse. Uh, in that book, he lays down a formula for a mead nutrient that he and Steinkraus developed, which eventually um, was either um, copied and turned into or bought from and turned into for made K. Um, and Roger Morse, you know, details out the, um, the different things. And like I said, this is something that's better answered by email without getting into the, the chemical balance of it and all that. Cause we, we could go on and on and on for hours back and forth over this. So, um, we've got Hamish's email. I'll respond back to him, but, uh, basically just, you know, stand patient on this one and, and I'll get you some information. Doug uh, Fenske uh, is with us tonight from Chicago, visiting with his son. Uh, he says that more beer does not ship internationally, and he, he actually lives in the Netherlands. And uh, when ah. he comes over here, he stocks up on <laughs> <laughs> on all the different uh, on yeast and nutrients and uh, has to take it back with him. So uh, oh, I can just shout out, give a quick shout out to Hamish. Um, if he knows anybody stateside that can order it for him and then ship it to him himself, hey, there you go. There you go. Go ahead, AJ. Huh? Uh, didn't you have a question or, or no? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> or Vicky? Yes. Uh, um, who was it? <laughs> yeah. No, um, I was uh, just going to jump in and... Um, and say the same thing Pete just said, you know, get a buddy that's, if you're someplace where you can't get it, get a buddy that, that, that is where you can get it and have it shipped. I get out of state needs that way, you know, but, um, the other thing, um, shoot, I hate it when I lose stuff like that. 
I just it just stuck in my head for a minute when Doug was saying he's going to buy a bunch of stuff in, uh, you know, here in the states before he goes back to the Netherlands, and I'm just thinking. The ag dog is going to have so much fun with him when he gets to customs on the other end. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I see a number of uh, listeners uh, listening in. So, uh, once again, the number is 818-921-4680. If you don't call with a question, I'm going to take up the rest of our time because i got tons of them. But... Uh, <laughs> uh, He's not that. kidding, guys. Don't, don't, <laughs> you know, please call, please. There's... Uh, uh, the other day, Oscar, I put a, a post on the forum because this is another thing that I see, uh, you know, curious about out there. Uh, there are different kinds of yeast. Uh, y yeast, there's uh, Lalaman or Lalvin uh, and whatnot. Uh, how do you know what you're getting into when you're getting into yeast, too? Uh, and what are the best ones? Well, one of the things that, you know, I do is I look at the yeast. Um, strain and be isolate. So if, uh, you know, white yeast has a champagne yeast, White Labs has a champagne yeast, Sapal has a champagne yeast, UC Davis even has a champagne yeast, um, Red Star has a champagne yeast, Lalamon has a champagne yeast. They're all from the same general region, and they all fall into a couple different categories. One is the Priest de Mousse, which is like the EC1118 or the Premier Convey, um, it's a, you know, it's a certain strain of yeast, and they have very similar fermentation characteristics. Um, I personally am not a huge fan of liquid yeast. So the only time that I've used, really used liquid yeast is when I'm making beer. Um, the rest of the time, I use dry active yeast or active dry yeast, ADY as they call it, um, usually from Lalamont. I like their products. I found them to be very consistent. Uh, there's a couple of other yeasts that I've used, one by Red Star, Epernay 2. It's called uh, uh, Cote Blanc now, I believe it's called. Um, and uh, the Premier Coupe I've used before, too, and I really like that. It's a good one. <coughs> um, and, by the way, PC or Premier Coupe is one of the most widely used yeasts for red wine fermentations as well in this state. Um, it's, it's just, you know, people like it because it's got it's a fast fermenter. It's got strong fermentation kinetics. It's fairly clean. If there's sufficient nitrogen in your must, um, it's quick, it's easy, and it's usually take everything right to dryness just the way that you want it to. Um, I generally stick with Lalamon. There are certain yeasts from certain regions that I like. Uh, the, the one that you're using there now, JD, and that traditional is a D47, which is a brown isolate. Yeah. Um, it, it's uh, especially 20, meat, it was 20 grams of it, by the way. Yeah, because you had <laughs> such a nice high starting gravity. <laughs> and, and, I th and I think that was one of the first questions. Like, are you sh are you sure? 20 grams? That's like four packets, right? He's right back. Yep, absolutely. So, Still okay. cheaper than a smack pack. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well. Yeah, exactly. So it, it pays to do some research then, and, you know, I mean, I've got a, a couple of PDFs, uh, you know, from one from Red Star, one from uh, Lalvin that kind of outlines the different yeasts and, you know, what they're good for and whatnot. So it kind of helps to have that information so you can figure out which ones you want to use for basically what style of mead you want to produce, right? I mean, I, everything that I've read says that, you know, yeasts that are, that, that are, 
wine, red wine that uh, uh, yeast that's fermented red wine is good for berries and that kind of thing, correct? Or am I saying that right? And it also depends on the type of berry. So for something like blueberries, um, RC2-1271B, um, L2225, uh, those are all really good for it. Uh, the other ones that work, you know, that I kind of like for that are uh, the uh, R2, and there's one other, I can't remember the name, um, 58W3, I think it is. Uh, that's an Alsatian strain that's really, really good as well. Used a lot in Switzerland, too. And then there's, you know, for the, for the white kind of characters, um, you know, somebody that's doing whites, of course, if you're doing champagnes, that's going to be a, a good one. DB10, EC1118, Premier Bay, Cote, uh, Cote Blanc or Cote Blanc. Uh, used to be called Epernay 2. Um, CY3079. Uh, that's the most stirred, least stirred yeast out there, I think, uh, when they're making uh, Chardonnays. It's uh, a really great yeast to use for these exposed wine in a good batonage regimen. Um, and then there's, you know, um, ICD Grey, ICD Apollo, um, BA11. They're, they're all really good. They all bring different things to the table. But what I would recommend is if you're going to make you know, need from, you know, a particular strain um, to look at the honey that you've got, taste it, get other people to taste, to find out what the kind of characters that you're getting in there. If you're getting something spicy, something with some zip to it that's got, you know, some nice, you know, pronounced characters, maybe cinnamon or uh, nutmeg kind of characters to it, or maybe some other, you know, maybe un, you know, undistinguishable spice, but still it adds kind of some, some you know, zip to it. Uh, you want to look at an Alsatian strain, that 58W3. Um, uh, what else works good with that? D21 works great with uh, mesquite honey, which has some real spice to it as well. It also works good with tupelo honey. Um, look at the similarities in the flavors that these yeasts enhance in grapes, and then taste your honey and see if any of those flavors are there. If they're not, move up the list until you find something that kind of coincides. You know, if you're you're making a, a, a nice, you know, semi-sweet mead that, uh, you know, you're using like an orange blossom or a star thistle or a um, fireweed or something, you know, along that line. You want to look at the yeast that you're going to be bringing out, the peachy, apricotty, pineapple kind of characters, and that's going to be D47, um, yeah, BA11, um, but a bunch of other of the white um white wine yeast that are very strong, the ICD Grey, the uh, actually CY3079 as well. Uh, those all work really, really good to like, bring those characters up. Um, you, you really have to do some, some due diligence to find out flavors that you have in your honey, how they match up to the flavors that are being enhanced by the yeast in the wine that they use to produce. Very good. So what's and, good uh, for florals then? Florals? Yeah, because I don't get a whole D, lot of really yeah. fruity stuff here. Yeah. For more for florally characters, I like 71D, uh, W15, Wadensville. It's a Swiss uh, isolate. They use it in making some of their, uh, you know, some of the, the Swiss whites and, and Swiss reds and rosés. It works really good for that. D47 works very good with floral scents. Um, ICD Gray, uh, GRE, 
uh, for lack of a better term. Um, who else? Um, Rare opportunity tonight with uh, Ask Oscar live with us uh, on the show. So uh, you got just a couple of minutes if you got a question to make your call. I don't know one person we haven't heard from tonight yet. And, Chris, uh, where are you? Where's Chris? <laughs> Before this show is over, uh, we need to hear from Chris in Mississippi. But, uh, Vicki, is there a particular yeast that you like to use more than any other? Uh, way back when, I was using a lot of Premier Cuvée and... Um, Oh, golly. Drawing a blank. What's the mead that David uses out in Colorado, Pete? Monroche. Thank you, Monroche. That was the, the two of those were kind of my go-to, um, were kind of my go-tos. Now, I just really depends on what I'm doing. I do a lot of melomels, so, you know. So you uh, you you do your homework and, you know, no, figure out Pete. what's... <laughs> I pick up the phone and I go, Pete, I'm going to make a strawberry melt. What kind of yeast do you think I to use? And then we'll talk for 45 minutes before we get around to it, you know. So, yeah. Cool. I have this walking meat encyclopedia in the other side of the country I can consult anytime I want to. Or so, rather, anytime he's got time. So, you know. So, here's Pete's phone number, everybody. one 8 <laughs> <laughs> 1-800-FU-2-3-4-3-4-3-4-3-4-3-4-3-4-3-4-3-4-3-4-3-4-3-4-3-4-3-4-3-4-3-4-3-4-3-4-3-4-3-4-3-4-3-4-3-4-3-4
I've done, a, as far as other yeast, I've used uh, in the past the white yeast, uh, sweet meat yeast, but that was rather unpredictable. I had a lot of trouble with that one. Yeah. And, as uh, has everybody else. <laughs> uh, right now, I'm playing around with some DV10. DV10 is a great yeast. It's one of my favorites. Yeah, it's doing It's great well for cider if you ever make cider. Yeah, I haven't done a cider because I've actually got a wild cider yeast I harvested, and I've been playing around with that in meads, actually, but I'm getting a taste that reminds me of uh, apple skin <laughs> in the meads. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's great. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Well, hey, thanks for the call, Dave. Thanks, uh, Dave. We, no uh, I'm sorry we didn't hear from Chris tonight. Yeah, he must. Have, he might be on call. He might oh, he'll be on call, call tonight. Yeah. No, he's sometimes <laughs> he, he has on surgery. call. Yeah, yeah, he has on calls every other right. Thursday or so. All right, thank you, Dave. But uh, yeah, Chris, uh, he he might even be in the operating room. I mean, who knows? But uh, Doug, uh, Doug is saying that uh, he's had some pretty good results out of a. Oh, where's my glasses again? BM four by four. Uh, yeah, and, BM4 by 4. Yeah, and a methaglone. No, that makes sense. That would probably be a pretty good uh, a pretty good strain for that, actually. Well, awesome show tonight, guys. Uh, and it's it really about was. that time. Uh, and uh, really fortunate to have Pete, uh, our, our resident, uh, Ask Oscar, on live with us tonight. I wish we could do that more often. Uh, if you're not doing anything next week, it's party night <laughs> here on Got Me Live, Pete. So ah. Vicky's going to be out of town. Yeah, <laughs> so we're going to have fun while she's gone. If you're around, you might want to come on just to keep these just to keep these yahoos from screw you know from getting themselves into a hole they can't get out of. If you want to learn how to brew beer, turn in tune in next week. So. <laughs> Oh, we're doing beer next week. Yeah, right, yeah we'll be doing beer and fruit wine next week. So, <laughs> so that'll be, so be Got Me Live. This episode, forget me. Let's talk about beer. Yeah. Actually, it's cider season. Let's do ciders. Cider, we can do cider. Yeah, well, okay. How about sizers? Sizer. Yeah, we can talk about sizers. I've already but, made up uh, the seven gallons of cider this year. Nice. We uh, had fun with uh, Becky and Ben Starr from... Uh, Starlight Meadery, uh, you know, and again, uh, if you're in the neighborhood, North Carolina, up there in Pittsburgh, they're located at 480 Hillsborough Street, Suite 1000, uh, and they're at the Chatham Mills, uh, and it's a pretty unique historical place, uh, that whole complex there. They're just north of uh, downtown Pittsburgh, out off of uh, 15501. They're a couple of miles south of Highway 64 Bypass. Uh, if you want to get uh, that particular, just look them up on the Google Maps thing and get yourself there. You can also order their meads from vinoshipper.com. I got it right that time. Uh, they do feature uh, their collection of meads through vinoshipper.com. Vino Shipper, Vino so with Starlight Mead. And uh, again, uh, the Ask Oscar segment, always a pleasure to have you aboard, Pete. Thank you very much. Oh, it's fun to be here. Yeah. Yeah, it was nice to have you in live for a change, hon. Yeah. It's nice to actually get to hear it. the ass Oscar myself this time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I never get uh, to hear it until after the show. Uh, and then, uh, 
uh, you know, as usual, I'm cruising through the forum. But I'm always looking for something uh, kind of unique to talk about to wrap the show up with here today. And uh, I actually found a couple of things. Uh, this, uh, the first one comes from Colonel Crush. Uh, this is actually uh, in the Hive section, and he put a post up, What's for Dessert? And so I looked at this, uh, this post that he has up there, and uh, says he has only made it as far as the rum roasting, but you got to look at this roasted rum pineapple. I mean, it's the most amazing-looking thing, and I can imagine sitting down with, like, a tropical-flavored mead, Pete, and just eating this roasted, rum-roasted pineapple. I mean, it's amazing. So, uh, gotme.com, get into the hive section, look up uh, Colonel Crush's post called What's for Dessert, and you'll see what I'm talking about. Uh, From 58... From 58 Limited, Dave, who uh, just called, uh, uh, talking about the uh, Mead Fest in Texas. We mentioned this last week. I just, you know, wanted to keep it in here. September 19th in the Green, uh, in Green, Texas. Uh, This is the fourth annual Texas Mead Fest. Uh, You know, if you're in the neighborhood, uh, get on over there and participate. So, uh, Mead Fest in Texas. Uh, they will feature eight meaderies, wineries, homebrew competition, honey tastings, food vendors, uh, live music. It just sounds like a party night there on September 19th from 11 to 7 p.m. Rock and R, 1405 Green Road, New... Well, again, where's my damn glasses? New Braunfels, Texas. Uh, New Braunfels, all right. Great place. Yeah. Yeah, adults 21 and over, 20 bucks a person, uh, includes a tasting glass and uh, eight tasting tickets. So, uh, nice. uh, again, that comes from uh, from Dave, uh, 58 Limited, who just uh, called, actually called in a couple of times tonight. And then uh, Vicky and AJ, uh, next week, uh, AJ and I fly solo. Vicky is out of town. Uh, I have no clue what we're going to talk about, but I'm sure it'll be fun and interesting. Let's see if we can... Uh, <laughs> We'll see if Oscar's available uh, for a session. If not, I'm sure we'll figure out something. But uh, And then following that, guys, we're going to take a two-week break. Uh, we'll be on hiatus. Uh, we've got some things we need to work on, some new shows that we're taking a look at. Uh, so a lot of things happening here on the Got Me Live radio station. So uh, we'll be back, Vicki, on October 6th, correct? I believe that's right, yeah. Yeah, Don't worry, so we'll, be in, we'll be announcing things, so you won't miss it. This gives you guys time to catch up with all the ones you haven't listened to yet. Or to listen to them again because you didn't take enough notes the first time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'll tell you, you know, uh, just the Ask Oscar sessions alone, uh, you know, I sit here and... Oops, that didn't start. I don't know why. Uh, but the, just the Ask Oscar sessions alone, I sit here with paper and pencil... And, uh, and take my notes while uh, you know while Vicky and Oscar are talking. So uh, with that, uh, we're going to wrap it up for tonight. Been fun. Uh, thank you to all the callers who called in tonight. Uh, AJ and Vicky, thank you. And again, thanks to Pete, guys. Thank you, all right. y'all. Good night, everybody. Have a good one. All right. Good night. <laughs>